Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, let's do this. It is a Thanksgiving edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez for the 23rd of November, 2023. Flyers Daily presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Flyers win streak ends at five as they go down against the New York Islanders. Final score of three to two. And the game, I mean, you can look at this game. You can boil it down to Ilya Sorokin, who I thought he was spectacular in the game for the New York Islanders. He has not had a great year for the Islanders, not as good as last year, but that was a great goaltending performance. And sometimes you got to, you know, stick taps to the opposition netminder. thought he was really good in the game. Flyers had a lot of really good scoring chances, really good opportunities in this game. They attempted a ton of shots on him. And I, you know, look, I'm the first to tell you, it's not about how many shots on goal you get. I mean, the Flyers in the game, they outshoot the Islanders 36 to 25. It's not about that, but there was a lot of quality scoring chances in this game as well. I don't remember a game this season where they put this much pressure on a goaltender throughout the game. And yeah, they get third period maybe against uh you know, the Carolina game where Freddie Anderson was really really good in that third period and they end up beating the Flyers at Wells Fargo Center. Three to two. Flyers attempted, I get this from Bill Meltzer's Twitter, they attempted 81 shots in the game, 40 scoring chances, 16 high danger chances. Those are absurd numbers. Flyers also had 26 attempts blocked and missed the net on 20 other attempts. That's crazy. I I kind of, the 20 missed attempts, not all of them, but a good portion of those, or when the goaltender on the other team is totally dialed in and you're trying to be perfect and you end up missing the net because you're trying to pick a corner. That's when the goaltender can get into the head of the opposition. And he was simply spectacular, uh, I thought, in the game. His numbers against the Flyers are pretty absurd. 11 games, a record of 8-2-1, and one, a 9.44 save percentage, two shutouts, and a 1.60 goals against average. Those are pretty disgusting numbers. Um, Got to find a way to solve him because he's obviously not just the present, but the, the future there uh, with the New York Islanders in net as well. So you got to figure out how to deal with him. But he's been a handful for the Flyers in his uh, brief career so far. He's played 148 games in the NHL. He is uh, 28 years of age. Uh, but the Islanders open the scoring 149 into the first period. And they kind of do to the Flyers what the Flyers have done to a lot of teams. They get a goal early in the game, and they eventually make it stand up. Now, the Flyers, or excuse me, the Islanders going into the game when scoring first this season had a record of 5-1-5. and So that's basically a record of five wins and six losses. Five of them came in overtime or the shootout, but five and six when scoring first. Flyers, when scoring first, are 10-1, and which is tops in the NHL, but they don't get the first goal in this game. It's the Islanders who get it when Anders Lee is able to squeeze one through uh, the the side of the net by the pad of Carter Hart. First of all, Zamula with a bit of a gaff on the play. Mark Stahl is first shift back, and Anders Lee, the big body, gets good positioning next to the Flyers' net and is able to get a second-chance opportunity and put it between the bottom of the skate and the pad in the post. 
And I've talked about this before, you know, the, the prevailing technique, the most widely used goaltending technique with sealing the post or in goaltender parlance, they call that post integration. It sounds pretty scientific. Um, but Carter Hart is a guy that it's, it's called skate on post. So the post is there and then the skate goes against it. But there's a little gap between the blade of the skate, the toque blade, and the pad. Because the skate's obviously risen off the ice. The pad kind of sits on the top of the toes, top of the foot now. And there's that little maybe two-inch gap uh, that's there with skate on post. Now, skate on post gives you a lot of advantages in certain situations. But a disadvantage with a perfect seal on that post in a situation like we saw in the Anders Lee goal. Now, the advantage that the skate on post gives a goaltender is that if he has to push off that post, he's now pushing off, I won't say immovable object, but he's using the post to also push off of instead of grabbing an edge where he's got to put his skate on about a 45-degree angle, dig it into the ice and push. He can just push right off the post and get tremendous explosion off that uh, to come across the net, out on a, out to the high part of his crease across uh, on the other side of the ice. It gives you a lot of advantages, but you see the disadvantage there. And Anders Lee uh, is able to get that second chance opportunity by Hart. Hart makes the first save. And on that, for the goaltender, he's looking to make the first save and then have the Calvary come in and uh, mute any second chance opportunity. Didn't happen here. And the Flyers go down one nothing. That's how the first period would end. Isles up one nothing on Anders Lee third of the season. Head to the second period. Flyers fall down 2 nothing. We haven't seen this in a long time. 13-10 into the period, Brock Nelson is able to put the Islanders up 2 to nothing uh, before the Flyers get on the board. They answer about a minute and eight seconds later uh, at 14-18 when Cam York picks up his third of the season. Owen Tippett and Ryan Paling pick up the assist, and for doing that, Penn Medicine and the Flyers are going to donate 30 pounds of food for each assist uh, for the Penn Medicine assist to uh, local communities in need. So Flyers make it 2-1. So you go into the third period, you're only down a goal. But at 2.33, the third period, Brock Nelson picks up his 10th of the season, second of the game, puts the Isles back up two, three to one the score. And then 15.56 into the third period, Flyers get back within a goal. Boy, it was a pretty goal, too. Bobby Brink kind of circles out by his uh, the blue line in the offensive zone, goes down the right side. And Joel Farabee kind of just slides in from the high slot, stick down on the ice, perfect target. And Brink just wires a perfect right along the ice pass. Farabee just directs it home. Those two seem to have some sort of, you know, just chemistry and knowing where the other guy's going to be. They're pretty much of the same general age. Um, and boy, what an absolutely beautiful goal and beautiful setup from Brink. His sixth assist of the season, Farabee's eighth goal of the season. But that's as close as the Flyers would get. Uh, they end up losing the game 3-2, to two, and the five-game win streak uh, is done. So now you turn your attention, obviously, to Friday when you take on the New York Rangers. Flyers are in this run right now, two games into the run, of eight straight games against their division, against the Metro. They just haven't played many divisional games. They've really knocked out a lot of travel with the Western Conference, some Western Conference teams like L.A. and Anaheim, they've played multiple times already. They've played Vancouver, Edmonton at Wells Fargo Center. They played Dallas on the road. Vegas, they've wrapped up the season series there as well. 
So you're going to get down to some divisional games. And really, this is, you know, we're at American Thanksgiving, which is in the salary cap era. If you're one of the top three teams in your division in the salary cap era, and you're a playoff team, top three team at American Thanksgiving, 84% of the time that team makes the playoffs. Now, I don't want to start talking about playoffs or worrying about playoffs or anything like that at this point. It's way early. We're not even at 25% the quarter pole of the season. But this stretch, because of these division games, mean so much more. I don't want to diminish the win over Vegas, diminish the win over Vancouver or Edmonton or Minnesota or the Los Angeles Kings, Anaheim. I don't want to diminish any of those wins because they're important wins and they're still two points. But when you play teams like the Rangers, the Capitals, who are one point back of the Flyers in the standings, those are basically four-point swing games. They are more important because you get a win and you prevent one of the teams you're competing with from getting a win. So it's a double whammy. Now, this eight-game stretch, it started uh, the other night in Carolina. So it was Carol or not Carolina, excuse me, Columbus on Sunday at Wells Fargo. Flyers had the Columbus game, the Islanders game last night, the Rangers tomorrow on Black Friday, then the Islanders on Saturday night, then Carolina, then New Jersey. That wraps up the month of November. That's six of the eight. And then they have a home-and-home home with the Pittsburgh Penguins to begin the month of December on the 2nd and the 4th before their next out-of-division game against Arizona on December 7th. So this is a very important stretch. And you know one of the key things that good teams in the NHL do, we saw this in 1920, very pronounced, is they don't let one win turn into two wins. Two wins turn into three wins. You lose a game, it's going to happen, no matter who you are, what team you are. But how you respond to that game is what becomes vitally important. Now, the Flyers in 1920, they were a little erratic in the beginning of the season at points, you know, in, in the month of October and November, a little bit in December. But they started a streak, I think it was January 3rd or January 5th, where they didn't lose back-to-back games until the second round of the playoffs against the Islanders, oddly enough, in the bubble. They, they would string together a couple wins, three, four wins, lose a game, not lose two in a row. It's, it was, that was the under, one of the underlying elements that told you that Flyers team was good. They were good on special teams, uh, power play, you know, goals four, all those things. They were seventh, I think, on the power play, seventh in the NHL on the PK. They were a team that didn't give up a ton of shots or high danger chances. They were legitimately a good team. And one of those elements is that they didn't lose back-to-back games. So, look, the task at hand coming up tomorrow is not easy. You're dealing with the New York Rangers team. That's only lost three times in regulation in 16 games this season. They're sitting in the top spot. They're four points up on the Flyers, and they've played two less games. They're 12-3-1. They are a very good team. So the Flyers have to find a way to not let the loss against the New York Islanders turn into a loss against the New York Rangers. And then they'll be back with the Islanders on Saturday. Up in New York again against the Isles. And that Isles team is tough. They're a tough team to play because, and they don't match up good for the Flyers. They don't match up good for the Flyers because they are a very, 
big and heavy NHL team. We hear that term get thrown around, you know, quite a bit. Big heavy teams. You think of, you know, the LA Kings or some of those teams. That team, the New York Islanders, first of all, they're a much older and mature team. That's the first thing about the Islanders. Uh, They are, I believe, the eighth oldest team in the NHL. So if you look at the average age of the Islanders, they are eighth in the NHL, and their average age is 28.42 years. The oldest team in the NHL is the Penguins at 29.86. It's funny because four of the top 10 oldest teams in the NHL are in the Metropolitan Division. I'll let you guess who they are. I said the Penguins were number one. You know the Caps are up there. They are. Third oldest team in the NHL. Second oldest team is uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Bruins are old. Ho-hum. They're off to a 14-1-3 start. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, the fifth oldest team in the NHL. I mentioned the Islanders are the eighth. Where are the Flyers? 24th oldest team in the NHL. They are an average age of 26.97. So just under 27 years of age. But when you look at the Islanders, too, it's not like they just play a big, heavy style of game. They're actually big and heavy physically as well. Uh, they're the third heaviest team in the league, averaging over 203 pounds, and their average height is over six foot two. And you couple that with the Flyers, whose average height is six foot one, and this is pretty crazy. I said 203 pounds. The average weight of the Islander players to the Islander Flyers players are nine pounds heavier. Flyers are not a very big team. They've got some small-ish guys. Konechny, not very big. Farabee, not very big. Brink, not very big. Cam York, not very big. So they've got a lot of guys that bring that size down. Now, it makes you wonder. You go, okay, well, to have playoff success, you need some size. You need some, especially on the blue line. Well, a guy like Travis Sanheim but on 20 pounds of muscle, playing a much bigger, stronger game. Uh, you look at you know, other guys that they have. Uh, well, Sean Walker, for example, he's not a big guy either. One of the things that as they're building this thing for the blue line is they may have to build in some size back there as well. Oliver Bonk's pretty big kid, so he's got some filling out to do, obviously. Nick Sealer's a big guy, but is he the long-term guy? So there's, there's some questions there. If Emil Andre is one of the guys that's going to be part of that defensive core. He's not a big guy. So Flyers do have some small guys. Scott Lawton, not overly big. Cam Atkinson, obviously not overly big. Owen Tippett, pretty big boy. Ryan Paling, pretty big guy. Zamula, big, long. Forster, decent size. Morgan Frost, not very big. Noah Cates, probably average size. So they may need a little bit more size because those teams like the Islanders, do cause some matchup problems uh, for the Flyers because of that size and weight. And like that first goal that was scored in the game by Andrews Lee, he's a big guy, and he gets that inside positioning, and that's why he's able to get the second-chance opportunity. So we'll see how that long-term plays out. But it is Thanksgiving, and I'm trying to think of things. You go, oh, it's Thanksgiving, a chance to reflect and look at things that you're thankful for. I mean— there's a lot to be thankful for with this Flyers team. Is it where it needs to be? Not yet. Will it get there? I sure hope so. Yeah, I think they have more pieces sometimes than people say, but there's still a lot of work to be done. I'm excited about Cutter Gauthier. I keep seeing some of his highlights and 
and video of him, and he's just having a great season. Beachkoff. We're excited about the bonk I just mentioned. Some other prospects throughout the system. Kolosov. There are some pieces coming. They need more. Um, but I think that there is a lot to be thankful for. I'm thankful for Dan Hilferty. I really am. I think he is a very key component of this in the way he's able to put groups together and lead. And that's what it takes in the position that he's in. So everybody, do me a favor. Have a great and safe Thanksgiving to you and yours. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow. We'll preview Flyers-Rangers. We'll talk about how the Flyers don't let the Islanders game turn into a loss against the Rangers. So tune in for that tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Daily.